0: of James. We'll be looking at uh, a portion in James chapter 5. You Sunday school people have a pretty good idea where we'll be. But James chapter 5, in a moment we'll hear the word of the Lord. Well, one of the best parts about this time of year is the excitement of waiting, right? Really, right? I know some of us have a different kind of excitement about waiting than others, but there is the thrill of expectation for what is coming. There is the hopeful desire that something is magical is going to happen, right? That under the tree will be finally after 40 years, the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Am I going to get what I really want? Is she going to like what I got her? Santa is coming, and I can barely wait. Right? But we love the excitement of waiting. Why do we love the excitement of waiting? Because knowing when it ends makes the waiting bearable, right? We can take it. We know when our questions will be answered. We know when our patience will either be rewarded or disappointed, for better or worse. We know that on a certain day, at a certain time, the wait will be over. We can enjoy, we can enjoy waiting and wondering because we know when we won't have to wait anymore. And it's not just for for Christmas. And We could say the same thing for a couple engaged to be married or a couple expecting a child. Knowing the end, knowing that there is an end, and especially even when we know when the end is going to be, gives strength to the one waiting. Sure, yes, there are times when you, when you want to hurry things along and just to get there. But, but you can always just go to the calendar and look. All right, 20 more days, 13 more days, 5 more days. But what if there is no calendar to count down to? Right? What if there are no days to mark off? What if there is no end date in sight? Waiting is all of a sudden an entirely different matter. It's a different experience. What if just wait until becomes just wait what if there is no day and hour to look forward to and the wait has been 2,000 years? Let's stand together out of respect for God's word and hear how that might address us in that situation. James chapter 5, beginning In verse 7. Be patient, therefore brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful." Let's pray. Lord, we are waiting. And we have been waiting. We do thank you for this time of year when we anticipate and remember the first coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending your Son to earth. but he is raised back to the place of glory, to the place at your right hand, sitting and waiting for all his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. We are waiting for him to come as he left, come and return to earth. Father, give us patience and hope as we wait. Lord, the grass withers And the flower fades, but your word endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The history of of God's people is is one of waiting. From the very very beginning, we have been waiters. Not waiters, but waiters. Waiters. To our parents, Adam and Eve, really for our parents, and to the serpent, was given the first promise to wait for. Somebody is coming who's going to destroy this serpent. Thousands of years later, our second father, Abraham, was given a promise to your offspring, I will give this land and I'm going to give the world and all of the world is going to be blessed through your offspring. Thousands of years later, David received a promise that one of your sons is going to reign forever. And we've been waiting. And lo and behold, we, we, we began to see answers to the waiting. Answers to, to the promise that a virgin would conceive. Answers to the promise that, that out of Bethlehem, a redeemer would come forth. And our faith was, was, was at the moment shaken when we saw this one that we placed our hope in on the cross, dead, buried, but restored again when he rose from the, de- when he rose from the grave three days later. And so we understand the question that came. Now, Lord Jesus? Okay, you've come. You've you've seemingly fulfilled all these promises. Now are you going to restore the kingdom? No. (laughs) Hold on. It's not for you to know the times or seasons. And the words that we heard as we saw Jesus rise back again to his Father. This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go up into heaven. Jesus is coming again. Jesus has come and he is coming again to this place, this earth, where we are. This is no obscure, hard-to-find teaching in the, in the New Testament. One man has counted over 300 references in the New Testament to the return of Christ. That's basically one mention for every 13 verses. But somewhere behind all these promises about the coming of, of Christ, there is one word, wait, wait. And in James 5, 17, 7 through 11, the Holy Spirit gives us instruction about how we are expected to wait. What are we supposed to be doing as we wait for Jesus to come back to earth? We could summarize this these verses in the very first two words, Right? Be patient. Be patient. He repeats it again just in case we missed it later on, being patient about it. He repeats himself again in verse 8 you also be patient. And he returns to it again in verse 10 as an example of suffering and patience. We wait patiently. We wait patiently. We are waiting the coming of the Lord. We are waiting for it. We are waiting for the coming of the Lord because of the promise that it is, the promise of a new day, the new day. We could read in Isaiah 35 of deserts blooming, of the blind seeing, of deaf hearing, of the lame leaping, of the mute singing, of a highway of holiness. We can read in Isaiah 11 and 65 of the wolf lying down with the lamb, about the earth being covered with the knowledge of the Lord like the waters covering the sea, about no more hearing the sound of weeping or the cry of distress. And we can read in Revelation 21 and 22 about the dwelling place of God being with man, about no crying, no pain anymore, about seeing the face of God. And night being no more. And all we can say is, come Lord Jesus. Make these things true. Make them happen. This whole season of year should bring about this, this hope, this cry within us. What a dreary drive it was to church this morning. Especially if you were coming in eight thirty or so, everything is dead, brown, foggy, and your company on the road was black carriages and people dressed in black. (laughs) Everything around us this morning cries death, sickness, gloom. What an Eeyore morning. And what should it do? It should kindle in us, within us this hope, this desire to come, Lord Jesus. Cast the darkness away. Cast the doubt away. Bring light and life. And so we wait patiently. We wait patiently. It is this, to be of a long spirit, this word patience. To not lose heart. It is persistence. It is an unwavering willingness to await for events rather than trying to force them to happen. We could just stay in the book of James and we could just look at the first chapter and see all of the reasons, again, why we need patience. We need patience because of trials of various kinds in James 1-2. Because of testing of our faith in James 1-3. Because of lacking of wisdom in James 1.5. Because of times of humiliation and exaltation in James 1.10. Because of times of temptation in James 1.14. Because of anger in James 1.20. Because of filthy wickedness in James 1.21. We have plenty of reasons why we need patience, endurance, long-spiritedness, awaiting And we are given here in our verses two different pictures or illustrations to help strengthen us to wait patiently. Two two buttresses for our faith. The first is in that first line. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Until. Not if. Not maybe. Not, you never know. Not stranger things have happened until the Lord is coming. Jesus is coming. And that is a a promise. There is an end date. We just don't know what it is. He is coming again to earth until there is a time when we will not need patience any longer because the answer will be here. The Lord is coming it is not just to come, but, but it's, his, it's the idea of his presence is going to be here. That's really what the word means. Its his presence will be here. It's used of visiting dignitaries when they come to visit a town. Like it's this special word, his presence is here. That's the emphasis. And we wait for Jesus to come again until it happens. It will happen. Until we wait with patience. Comforting our soul with the assurance of the one who promised. God has promised. Until the coming of the Lord. He is coming. Wait. Be patient. Our patience does have an end date. We see that he is coming. And we wait for the precious fruit of the earth. The harvest is coming. Right? One philosopher says, Patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Right? It is it is bitter to wait patiently, but the fruit, the harvest, is sweet. And we see the bitterness and the sweetness in, in this waiting for the Lord's coming. Bitterness as we wait and endure the trials, the temptations, the sicknesses, the disease, the death. The sin, the wickedness, the darkness of this world. But sweetness, as we know that Jesus is coming to make all things right. The Lord is coming and he's going to harvest this earth, bringing his harvest of fruitful righteousness. Wait until the coming of the Lord. The second aid we see here is this illustration of the farmer. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Now, I'm going to simplify things a little bit and I know this is not how it is, right? But but once the farmer puts the seed in the ground, there's nothing really else to do except wait. Or we could say once the farmer has put the seed in the ground, there's only so much he can do. The farmer has to wait for the rain to come when it is supposed to come. The farmer has to relinquish the circumstances of life's work to God's control. The farmer cannot make it rain, only God can. The farmer cannot make the sunshine, only God can. The farmer cannot keep the temperature above freezing. Only God can. He waits. In this illustration of the farmer, I think there's a reminder of us to remember what we have in our control and remember what is beyond our control. If it is beyond your control, there is no point in worrying about it. If it is beyond your control, there is no point of being anxious about it or impatient about it. Because it is beyond your control. The farmer waits for the rain. He waits for what God is going to do. Wait with patience, comforting your soul with the knowledge that that God is in control. What God has promised and the knowledge that God is in control of all things. God gives the harvest. Wait patiently. The Lord is coming. Wait patiently because the Lord will come in God's perfect timing. Wait patiently because the Lord will harvest the precious fruit of the earth. So in verses, verse 7, we see this addressing our patience in relation to the Lord. We wait for the coming of the Lord and for his coming. But in in the next verse, beginning in verse 8, we see what that means, what this season of waiting that we're in as we wait for the Lord's return, what that means for for each other in our life together. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We are to wait in a strong peacefulness. Establish your hearts. It is, we could, your Bible might have strengthen your hearts and that's a good translation, an accurate translation. Establish, strengthen, make firm, settle your hearts. Strength. Strengthen and support your heart so that it will stand and not be movable by all of the doubts and the fears and the trials of earth instead of feeling agitated or shaken up by experiences of oppression, we are to build up this sense of stability, this inner strengthening that comes from a personal hope in Christ's return. But the emphasis shifts a little bit. At the beginning, we are told of the fact that that Jesus is coming. Until he comes, wait patiently. But now we are told not that Jesus is coming, but that Jesus is coming soon. We are told in two different ways that the Lord is at hand and he is standing at the door. And this is something that all of the, the New Testament agrees on: that, that the Lord is coming soon, that we are in the last days. James, just if you all, all you have to do is look up back to verse 3 where he talks about you have treasured up these things for the last days. Hebrews 1, 2 says that God has spoken to us in these last days. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul talks about the end of the ages have come upon us. 1 Peter 1 says he was manifest. Christ was shown in the last times for our sake. 1 John says it is the last hour. James, Peter, John, they all agree. This is it. This is the last days. This is even the last hour. The coming of Jesus Christ to earth is at hand. It is near. He is, he is standing at the door, ready to come in. Friday I was texting with with my wife, with, with Abigail. And she was here at the church cleaning. And she said, the kids are at home cleaning. And I just, I laughed. <laughs> and I, I sent her back some smiling and laughing emojis. Now on Fridays, I get off a little bit earlier than I normally do throughout the rest of the week. And I'm not sure if they remember that or not. Because when I open the door, walking in two hours earlier than I normally do, all of a sudden, I see three children wiping the table, and doing things. And I was born at night, but I was not born last night. <laughs> I knew that their cleaning happened right about when they either heard me pulling into the driveway or heard the key going into the doorknob. What happened? Uh, Dad is at the door. Let's get busy. Am I right, Marissa? The Lord is at the door. He's at hand. The wait is almost over. Encourage your heart with this. Strengthen your heart with this. The wait is almost over. Brad, it's been 2,000 years. It's almost over. It's the last hour. How do we know if we're strengthening our heart? I mean, is there is there some way we know that that we're that we're doing this well? Or is there some way we can help strengthen us or or demonstrate the strength? Yeah. Do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. A strong heart that is waiting for the Lord. A strong heart that knows that he is he's, he's, he has the key in the in the door ready to open it. It's what it's what Jason has been talking about the past three weeks. I don't have time to fight with you. Jesus is coming. Right? I'm, I'm gonna fight with you about something. I'm gonna grumble. I'm gonna complain to you about something. No, Jesus is right there. We need we need to be busy, we need to be working. If you're living in this, this grumbling way, it is a demonstration that your heart is not strong, that it is weak toward the Lord's coming. Too often, when life gets difficult, we are stressed about this or that. And we, we tend to we take it all on others usually the completely innocent. The husband has a bad day at work, so he comes home and blows up at his wife. Mom and dad get angry at each other, so they start yelling at the kids. Christian A gets mad at Christian B, and they spread it to Christians C through Z. And navigating church functions and family functions and the holidays soon requires a PhD in international relations and diplomacy. Why? Why would we get mad so quickly? Why would we take it out on those around us? Because we have a weak heart. Because we are not waiting strongly and patiently for Jesus to come through the door. We forget that he is standing right there, ready to come in. We forget, as James says earlier, that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. We forget verses that the children stood up here a couple weeks ago and and recited to us. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. He's at the door. He's, He's near. He's at hand. Is this how you want him to find you? Grumbling, complaining, bickering. Wait at peace with a strong heart. Jesus is coming soon. Not just coming, coming soon. And everything wrong with the world is going to be put right. So we are told to wait patiently until the Lord comes. Take confidence that he is coming. We are told to wait peacefully, at peace with one another, with strong hearts, knowing that that the judge is coming soon. Right? Get along with one another because Jesus is walking through that door. And finally, to help us in our patient looking forward, we're reminded to look backwards and to wait purposefully. In verses 10 and 11, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. We are reminded of, of the prophets and of Job. And in the example of the prophets, we are reminded of, of the purpose that we have as we patiently and peacefully, strongly wait. What is that? They spoke in the name of the Lord. In the example of Job, we are reminded of the purpose of God as we patiently wait and peacefully wait. Mercy and compassion. Take the prophets. Take the prophets. Think of the prophets. <sighs> yeah, sometimes we have this Sunday school vision of the prophets, these, these mighty heroes of, of God just out there preaching the word and droves of people just coming to them and fawning all over their feet. <laughs> that does not come from the Bible. We could speak of Ezekiel, who was not allowed to mourn the death of his wife. Or we could speak of Hosea, whose wife ran out on him. Or of Isaiah, who was sawn in two. Or of Jeremiah, who was hunted by men of his hometown because they wanted him to stop talking. Beaten, put in chains, imprisoned in a dungeon, cast into a well. Or we could speak of the last prophet, John the Baptist, thrown in prison and beheaded. So, the life, the existence of the prophets is just summarized by Jesus when he says, From Abel to Zechariah, you've shed all their blood. You know what a good day for a prophet was? When they were ignored, when nobody paid attention to them. Because a normal day was adversity and persecution and hardness. Did they seek out those things? No, but it came to them because they did what? They spoke in the name of the Lord. The prophets saw their existence, their purpose, as as closed, as, as wrapped up in the name of the Lord. The Lord's purpose is my purpose, and so I speak in his name. So remember the prophets and what they went through. Do you think it's easy to speak in the name of the Lord? No, it's, it's difficult. But Jesus said, Blessed are you when you are persecuted and you suffer for my name's sake. We see here the purpose that we are to live within in our waiting. Remember the prophets, living and waiting, having our life wrapped up in this in the name of the Lord for righteousness' sake, on his account. We don't wait like we used to wait for the doctor, just sit down and and read an old, old magazine. We don't wait just flipping through our phone, adding more things to our Spotify library. We wait busily. We wait doing things in the name of the Lord. Our waiting is not passive, it is active. And we are told finally to remember to consider Job. Remember Job. And the Lord's purpose of compassion and merciful, being merciful. Remember that God is compassionate and merciful. Merciful. Remember God's purpose. Why has it been two thousand years? Why are we still waiting for Jesus to return? Well, because we are to remember this one thing: that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. And that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. How do we, you know, as I, as I was thinking about this, you know, but how do we see that in Job? Well, what happens at the end of the book of Job? Job has, God has compassion on Job. He restores to him the things that have been afflicted and taken away. But he has mercy on Job's three friends. He tells Bildad, Elihu, and Zophar to repent and to go to Job and find forgiveness. Remember Job, the Lord's compassion and the Lord's mercy. The Lord has waited for 2,000 years because he is compassionate and merciful. The Lord has been waiting for 2,000 years because it is his desire that Jesus comes back not as your judge, but as your Savior, as your Lord. So we wait purposely. We wait with purpose. We live as a servant of the Lord, living in his name, remembering God's purpose, one of mercy and compassion. At the beginning of each day, our prayer should be, Jesus, come today. And at the end of each day, our prayer should be, Lord, thank you for waiting and giving me a chance to serve you. Lord, thank you for waiting so that others can repent and not perish. On November 2nd, 2016, at 11.47 in the evening, the long wait was over. 108 years of waiting. And finally, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. (laughs) We've got... We've got them beat. 2,000 years. We've been waiting. If if we could just know when Jesus is going to come back, it would make things a whole lot easier for us to wait. But the problem is then we wouldn't have to wait. We would know. The Lord is coming, He is coming. Wait patiently. The Lord is coming soon. Wait peacefully, strongly with one another. The Lord is coming. Live with purpose in his name, seeking his fame, his glory, as we wait to see God accomplish his purpose of mercy and compassion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise that our Lord... Jesus Christ is coming. Lord, we thank you that we can have strong assurance and confidence in that promise. First, because you are the one who made it and you are trustworthy and faithful. But secondly, and and because of that, we've seen already the beginning of that promise and that you have sent your Son to earth a first time. A first time you sent our Lord to earth to be born of the Virgin, to take our flesh upon himself, to go about giving sight to the blind, giving hearing to the deaf, giving strength to the lame, giving salvation to the sinners. Lord, we thank you for the salvation that Christ has given to us By his death, by his burial, by his resurrection. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that Christ has poured out upon us, giving us the strength to wait, giving us the strength to live at peace with one another, to stop grumbling. Lord, we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit to give us strength to live with the purpose of living in your name, looking for your compassion and your mercy on the world around us. Father, we pray that you would indeed strengthen us and encourage us as we wait patiently and with purpose for the coming again of your Son. In his name we pray, amen.